Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Fake the Nation, episode 209. Hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about politics, and where we try to decipher the seeming English spoken by the President of the United States. I'm your host, Nagin Farsad, and is it November yet? Because I got a vote burning in my pocket. Today, we're going to talk about Donnie and the pandemic. We'll also talk about Amazon and the GOP. What is it exactly? I am so excited by today's panel. Uh... They're both veterans of Fake the Nation, which is the kind of show that really makes my heart sing. Uh, host of uh, the podcast This Day in Esoteric Political History. It's a Radiotopia podcast. Um, you've seen his handiwork all over WNYC and 538 and 30 for 30. And oh my God, he's just prolific and amazing. And he has substitute hosted here before and he's wonderful. And his name is Jody Avergan. Hey, Jody. Uh, hello. Thanks for having me on again. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, my head's he still spinning know. from that resume. Yeah. <laughs> um, and oh my gosh, this woman is the host of the podcast "Kill Me Now," and she's had me on, which is which was one of the more delightful forty-five minute periods of my life. Um, she has fucking I've seen her kill on multiple stages around America. Uh, she is the author of the new book. Yes, I can say that when they come for the comedians, we're all in trouble, which is available July twenty eighth. That's available for pre-order, which means you should be pre-ordering immediately. Um, she's fantastic. We love her. She's Judy Gold. Hey, Judy. Hey, thank you. Thank you very much. I uh, I don't know if I lived up to Jody's um, resume, but you no, know. that was pretty good actually. Yeah, <laughs> you liked it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was into it. I'm I'm right. ordering the book as we speak. You better. It's uh, it's really good. Okay. Okay. By the way, Jody, you don't know this, but your name is triggering for Judy. You want to explain why, Judy? Yes. So, Jody, mm. w- uh, when I ran the the New York City Marathon, you know, when you run the marathon, not to brag, you not to brag. It was twenty three years ago. Anyway, they put you put the, you know you put your name on your shirt so that sure. well, you know the people will cheer for you. And so my ex, she put my name on my shirt and it, the U looked like an O and every, I was running and everyone's like, go Jody. And I'm like, it's 
Judy, it's Judy. And then like by the end, when I couldn't breathe, I was like, it's Joe. Yeah. It's Jody. It's yeah. just Jody. I'll be Jody. So, <laughs> so my name takes you to your most frustrating all, and exhausted moments of right. your life. Yeah. I, okay, I always think of that when I hear the name Jody. Yeah. Yeah. Good. <laughs> 23 years later, Jody, you still have that. You will have that power. Yes. All right. Well, you know what, guys? Let's get into topic number one. Uh, okay, so Trump gave a speech yesterday oh. that could at best be described as self-referential performance art in experimental <laughs> English. Um, my question is, what was he talking about? And did we learn anything? Uh, initial thoughts, uh, Judy, I know you love a nice uh, Trump yeah, rant. I, you know, this whole uncabaret thing that he's doing, it's not working. <laughs> it makes no sense. He rambles on. He's using the the Rose Garden, uh, you know, because he can't do his rallies. I really think of him. Yeah. You know, you see him at the what when when he was doing the rallies. He is like a bad hack comic. He repeats the mm. same material over and over again. It's getting it's in the same speech. Right. In the same in the speech. same speech. Um he he's definitely losing it. He has no idea what he's talking about. And you know, you're running this campaign like you ran the campaign in 2016 and it's not it's not the same candidates. Uh it's not it's not the same zeitgeist. The, the, everything is different now. But he's so dumb, and his all—he's all about distraction. It's all about distract. That's all it is. He's so frustrating, uh, Jody. <laughs> like what the the you know the named reason for this press conference was that it was a it was about China, the Hong Kong Autonomy Act. Um, and he sort of used that as a segue to essentially turn it into a campaign rally. I don't want to yeah. put words in anyone's mouth, mm -hmm. but you know, that's, that's a, something I would call it. Um, and he like, and he used, spent a lot of his time trying to, um, to kind of pin Joe Biden to China, oh. uh, as a, as a strategic, like, you know, electoral tactic, even saying that Joe Biden's career was a gift to the Chinese communist party. <laughs> um, do you think any of that stuff is working? Um, you know, I do. I think that particular line of attack against Biden will work um, not in no and certainly not in this context. Right. I mean, the, this election is going to be defined by Donald Trump's reaction to the coronavirus. Um, and so, you know, he needs to figure that out either hopefully strategically and, you know, certainly rhetorically uh, in order for him to have any chance this fall. You know, I will say these that there's definitely an element of like him missing that itch of being on stage. I completely agree. Like, you know, he I think he thinks of himself as a performer. I think he like would much rather campaign than govern. And he has basically stated as such, um, you know, and 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 the the like Catskill vaudeville act is, oh. a, is a good is a good one. You know, the, <laughs> I, I was talking to, to Nicole Hammer, who co-hosts this, this podcast I do, and she she framed it really interestingly, which is especially lately when he does press conferences that turn into rallies, right. which is what's been happening because he's not doing rallies. Right. He is sort of using reporters like they are callers to a talk show. And you really if you really think of him as someone who fashions himself as a, you know, drive time Rush Limbaugh type talk talk show host, which I think is probably his best, you know, most natural state, probably what he was planning for post 2016 before he caught the fire truck and won the election. Um, you know, I would say like that use of reporters is really fascinating where where he he just wants them to use them as he expects them to be okay with him using the, them as like props to continue to make his points and then when he gets challenged or when he gets pushed back he would react the same way like wait this is my show like what do you what like what, what how, why in the world would you stand up to me or right. fact check He's me still, like this is it's my like, show it's like a crowd work show yeah. Um, right. <laughs> and the crowd hates his guts, you know, uh, right. except for OANN or whatever the, you know. Right. Uh, right. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. he's building, trying to build that bubble around him. And, you know, as you said, Judy, trying to go back to the same playbook and that playbook is just not working and, and it will it likely is, not and work. It is, I really do love that radio show analogy because it is, it really has, if you ever listen to, whenever I go home and I have to drive a car, I'm always flipping through the radio stations and I find it fascinating just to spend three to five minutes on a nice conservative talk radio channel because I oftentimes 
can't follow the line of argumentation, you know what I mean? Yeah. On some of the like shittier ones, especially. Um, and in this one too, I think what was really alarming about it was that it was so hard to follow. He says weird stuff like Biden is trying to get rid of windows and he would abolish the <laughs> suburbs and like just stuff that's like just yeah. really, you know, just weird like run on sentences that didn't seem to like end at a point or like, you know, I, I didn't, it's funny because the New York Times like uh, did a transcript of one of them and I thought it was really funny. It was just like, we have agreements where Biden and Obama used to bring killers out. They would say, don't bring them back to our country. We don't want them. Well, we have to, we don't want them. They wouldn't take them now with us. They take them. I mean, it's like, right. it, it's like a very confusing, which, what is the object of the sentence? Who Who's the pronoun? <laughs> What's the, but, you know what I mean? But, it's I like, mean, it's so it, that does sometimes work live, right? Like, I mean, you know, th that's right, always been course. the case with Trump. And he's always been someone who, you know, if you're in that room and you have the like knowledge right. to follow his train of thought, you know, he knows, look, he knows how to work a crowd. He does. Uh, I mean, it sometimes works live. I listened to the speech admittedly at 1.5 <laughs> times. <this week>. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Which is, by the way, if anybody's looking, you know, uh, for a, a better way to listen to to Donnie's speeches, it's that. Um, and I honestly just I, because he jumps from subject to subject, it's really so I think in, in terms of being a campaign rally that's being broadcast to millions, it yeah. was a squandered opportunity because it was so loose and so, you know, it's it wasn't strategic in any way. You know, I think, again, you're right, uh, Judy, he's using 2016 tactics on 2020. It doesn't work. And, and he's such an empty suit that, you know, this this stream of consciousness it has it, it there's nothing there there it's literally nothing there it's like he heard the word suburb right an hour before he <laughs> yeah, got yeah. out there and he's like oh i'm gonna use that word suburb in the uh you know it's it's i, I just i cannot believe like that it's mind-boggling <laughs> that no what that there he still has a base that is what Whoa, is so what if i cannot believe Judy. it Judy, the levels uh, of exasperation you're bringing to this conversation. Oh, how, I can't. How the last four years I can't. My blood pressure is like, I can't. I'm on two anti-way. I cannot. Ooh. I'm older than you, so I've seen more. I've, I've, I, you know, we work so hard to get us to a certain point. When Obama became president, I saw the, I saw an African-American first family. I was like, oh my God, we, you know, you think we did it. We did. And then. To go back like this, yeah, it it it, it is. Uh, I I oh, it's so sad. Well, we're gonna get we're gonna talk. Oh, to you. There are people yeah. that uh, there are never Trumpers that agree with you, uh, Judy, and we'll we'll get to that yes. in, the, in uh, the following segment. But uh, I wanted to point out one of the funnier things he said too was like when it, one of his callers called in from uh, the press room. Um, he said uh, that like they he, they were sort of they asked like. Might you lose or something in November? And uh, and he said, no, if you look out in the Florida lakes, there's thousands of boats with Trump signs. There's the, you look at the boats and the bikers, <laughs> there's Trump supporters. It's like boats and bikers. What are you talking about? Hey, the boat, the boat rallies are huge. Uh, there was um, there was the largest boat rally ever in the history of i believe florida's fourth biggest lake recently so you i know, mean don't over, I, don't yeah i'm the not anti-boat boat boat how many boats how many boats <laughs> how many boats are there how many uh, i mean and, and who puts a sticker on their boat it gets wet and comes I, but also I, like it's just weird because boat owners of florida is such a specific it like it doesn't yes. it's like we need to pull that specific demographic to understand if they're representative of anything ab about america but anyways i let's move on quickly to his attacks on fauci um oh. what i mean jody is there something um what is this signaling to you, I guess, about the pandemic response from the federal government that the actual White yeah. House administration is like leaking um, opposition research, Oppo research right yeah. on Fauci to the press? Uh, you know, it's funny. I mean, it's like it almost doesn't tell me anything about their response because there is no response. It tells me that the White House operates the same way it has always operated, which is, you know, as a 
a propaganda, a narrative-driven shop. And so, you know, anytime someone disrupts or counters their propaganda, their narrative, um, you know, it, it it's an opportunity to pick a to pick a media fight, which is, I think, you know, what Trump wants to do, all he wants to do, and that's where his his comfort zone is picking media fights. Um, it's it's weird. Like I'm, uh, you know, I've almost convinced myself that it doesn't matter because it's like it's over here and it's this like sideshow fight and then potentially you know government could still act um elsewhere and it's almost like let trump you know say what he has to say about and spout off on twitter and we just ignore it and then we you know hopefully take care of business on the other side but of course we are not taking care of business on the other side and so you know it's then you start to realize how disheartening it all is but you know like if if we had a competent response um i would be fine with or not fine, but I'd be like, whatever about Trump. You know, right. Yeah. It'd be like, a, who cares? Uh, Judy, right. you strike me as a Fauci fan. Okay. Uh, you know, here's the, here's the thing about Dr. Fauci. I, uh, I lived through the AIDS crisis and he was, he was who we turned to during the AIDS crisis. He was, I know him from that time period. And he, that's interesting. Honestly, like I, I, I haven't heard very many people uh, say that. So that's really interesting. Yeah. So that for me, when I hear his name, that is what I think of and how, you know, talk about opposition. You, you know, they wouldn't even Reagan couldn't even say the word AIDS till 1987. Right. And if you look at it, at uh, you know, I did for my book, there's I did research about when the AIDS epidemic came out, uh, you know, these these press conferences that they would do. uh they were laughing like, oh, do you have it? You know, it was it was a yeah. it was a joke. Um, Fauci always took it seriously. And especially, you know, as a member of the LGBTQ population, you know, having someone who was really dealing with this disease as a public health crisis and not marginalizing, you know, these gay men, uh, he he was a hero. And he, you know, he, you know, he worked under six administrations, six presidents. Um, he is a public servant. The way he denigrates public servants, Vinman, yeah. these people who have given their li their life's work when he bone spurred, like when he only cares about himself, it is, it is, I know it's a way I'm getting way too emotional about it, but it, it is, it is unconscionable. Uh, this man is, you know, trying to deal with the public health and Trump doesn't care that he spent his life, you know, helping find, you know, vaccines yeah. and, and no. And you know what, Judy, you're, you're, you're correct amounts emotional about it because over a hundred thousand people have died. So I feel like this is exactly the right, uh, le level, um, of just yeah, um, exasperation and sadness. Uh, I I I want to shift gears a little bit. Um, and and again, I, I and I bring it up with no real thing to say about it, other than it's alarming. Other than it's also, yeah. it's just it again. Like you were saying, Jody, if the government, if if the federal government was handling the the pandemic and had great plans and blah blah blah, then this wouldn't matter. <laughs> Right? But like, it's just yet another sign um, that's uh, sealing shut the coffin on the federal government doing anything. And I've been right. getting emails. You know, we we have listeners in, in New Mexico and, and Texas who keep emailing me about like wait times on testing, you know, and um, and now that there's more testing, in fact, uh, there is, in fact, more testing, but still not enough testing. You know, uh, I, I I got um, an, a message from someone saying they had to wait four and a half hours. And what if you can't lose that kind of income in your day to spend four right. and a half hours to get tested? Um, and I and I also have gotten emails. You know, getting testing results is a, it takes about a week now. Uh, so you're getting tested on a Tuesday, only to find out the following Tuesday if you were uh, in fact had COVID. And the reason for that is because you know the labs are over overwhelmed and they can't get the results out and blah 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 so uh, and it's and also most contagious during that time during that, that time when exactly yes. and so we're it's like we didn't set up any kind of infrastructure to help out these labs
labs to like get the testing regimen in order. I mean, it's just still a total fucking free for all. Well, who's we? All right, there were plans at the end of twenty. Uh, <laughs> there were plans at the end of twenty sixteen and into twenty. No, no, you're right. right. Exactly. They dismantled, exactly. They dismantled <laughs> right. Exactly. True that. True that, yeah. that. So let's yeah. quickly, before the segment is over, turn our attention to unemployment benefits. Um. The White House is signaling signaling some weakness to extend. By the way, if you don't know, uh, I, don't, I feel like everybody absolutely knows the end of July marks the end of the pandemic relief. The extra six hundred dollars um, you get uh, on unemployment. Um, they so it's also weird because the Senate's not even coming back into session until July twentieth, which is just five days before the uh, the expiration of those benefits. So it just feels rushed and weird, and there's no like real positions taken by anybody <laughs> except for the Democrats yeah. are, are in favor of, of extending. Um, so there's talks of like maybe reducing the benefit. Um, there's people that are against the benefit altogether, of course. Um, what, I guess, do you guys have any thoughts on where this might land, uh, Jody? I mean, I have almost had to shut down anytime I start think about start to think about how deep this economic crisis is going to be. I think we've, you know, the health crisis as well. But I mean, you know, I think we are only at the very, very, you know, we're starting to just peer over the cliff. Um, and it's really, it's really scary. And then, you know, I think one thing I certainly feel deep in my bones is just how, for, I mean, you know, I'm curious to see what happens to what, what sound Judy makes when I mention Mitch McConnell's name. Oh. Uh, but, <laughs> but, you know, there we go. That was see, guttural. Like that was uh, guttural. That yeah. was deep from yeah. the depths. But, you know, to think that Congress is, uh, and the Senate are not there uh, 24 hours a day trying to figure this yes! out and just do their jobs. I know. You know it's How just in, incredible there? to me. And yeah. and I've been doing, you know, I've been doing this history podcast and we recently talked about Watergate and, you know, Watergate was another moment where it was like government in crisis. We're trying to figure things out. And, you know, uh, one thing I noticed in my research was the articles in, of in, the first articles of impeachment against Nixon were filed at like 8 p.m. on a Saturday. It's like they were working right. on a weekend because it was serious. People took it seriously. And it's like, they're just not even there, um, much less, you know, putting aside what they're going to actually do when they get back. Right. If anything. J- uh, but Judy, Moscow Mitch is in the middle of an election in, and probably, I, I think, a tough race ahead of him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, yep. If he wants to get elected, reelected, uh, he probably wants to give the people of Ken- Kentucky a financial lifeline in exchange for votes. Do you think that? Uh, right. It's like it's like they've done it before, right? Republicans have actually given, right. you know, pandemic relief before in in a meaningful way. Um, and now we're in the middle of an election. It's just like the worst fight. And why couldn't this pandemic be? I, you know what? So it, it, the the the. <laughs> It's like because because Republicans get to like abandon their actual ideal. Right. I mean, not that I want to see right. anyone's American suffer. I want there to be pandemic relief, but it's like it's it's annoying because we're seeing Republicans just be liberal, just you know, kind of like bi curious when you're in college and you just make out with a girl. Like that's what they're doing because it's right. an election year and it sucks. Right, and 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 the idea that you know you know first of all they call us Democrat. They, they won't say democratic anymore mm. um, because they're so horrible uh, to the core. They have to have rat be the uh, end of uh, the word, <laughs> the last syllable. But first of all, I just want to mention while we're talking about this, today is tax day. I got my tax. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I want to write, fuck you. That I just want to write. That's what I just <laughs> fuck. I'm not paying my fucking. This motherfucker in the White House, he doesn't pay his taxes. All these people do not pay. And yet, all these companies getting all this uh, aid from the Fed, they, they're happy to cash their checks. They're happy to, 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 to you know, call the government, less government, less government, except when they're writing a check to me. And it's so fucking frustrating. Um, It is really fucking frustrating. But I also, uh, again... I want to end on a like a little bit of a high note, which is the Dujun. <laughs> oh, hi. Yeah, so it's great. I hope they really do the, you know, they're talking, you know, they were saying some people make more money now through their unemployment than they did prior. And so Mnuchin, who is quite attractive as well, said that he wants to make sure no one is making more than 100 percent 
of uh, their yeah, you know which what is, they were making. Still, yeah, right. As opposed to the logic where that should lead you, which is well, maybe people right. should make more money. <laughs> right, exactly. Right, right. Um, I uh, I, I also want to point out though that the June job numbers did recover about a third of the jobs that were lost during the initial part of the crisis. So that's nice, Jody. Right? I don't want us all to go into the dark hole. No, I mean. Like there are there are signs everywhere that this thing is beatable yes. and this thing is uh, or manageable yeah. and that there's and that, and that even, you know, and this is the thing that's just kind of amazing is that there's that that that's the only path forward for electorally for Trump. If he has wants to have any chance of, re, of winning again is, you know, to deal with the coronavirus and get the economy going. Those are linked to each other. Um, but, you know. It's doable. Other countries have done it. There are signs like the economy seems to be resilient, but they just keep not doing it, um, refusing to sort of acknowledge that those things right. are connected. <laughs> right. Um, and, and the other thing that's hopeful is that, you know, even though it's it's frustrating that we're in an election year, that everything feels just like oversized. Uh, a pandemic is already oversized and then it's just extra weird. Uh we're in an election year, which is fantastic because we get to like really change the game. And so before we move on to the next segment, I just, and a listener emailed me this morning and I just have to share it. They said, Dan from Texas said, keep an eye on Texas. Um, MJ Hager, he, I think is how you pronounce it, uh, is going to be running against John Corrin in November. Um, and, you know, wow. it's, it's, it's an important race. Let's keep an eye on Texas. Uh, again, uh, they also pointed out in Texas 24th district, um, Candace Valenzuela is going to be running uh, and she's got strong uh, progressive um, credits. She's got the endorsement of people like my lady, uh, Senator Harris and Warren and Booker um, and others. And so these are some uh, Texas may surprise us. And I found that to be a really uplifting email. So keep an eye on Texas. And for the rest of you listeners. Oh, my God. Are there races that you want me to highlight on this show? Because I fucking will send me your races. I will <laughs> highlight them. Um, people like to know and hear, even if I don't live in that district. You mean like like white like white people. There's a race that doesn't get highlighted enough. <laughs> <laughs> you work on that one? Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for Sarah Gideon, I have to say, too. I, I can't stand Sarah Gideon, who's running against uh, Susan Collins. I, mm-hmm. I, I I really am excited about yeah, that Yeah, exciting one, race in Maine. So, um, yeah. let's, uh, yeah, the, thank you for, again, bring me your races. And now let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get into it uh, with Amazon. Today's show is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. I have used Rocket Money. And you guys, honestly, I had no idea how many things I was subscribing to that I didn't want to be subscribing to. I think we all go into, we enter into subscriptions with a Pollyanna view that we're going to use as a subscription, even though it's a super obscure, you know, education app from Albania that uh, teaches Russian math or whatever. And then you're like, I'm never going to use this. Why did I get it? I should remember to cancel it. And then you don't. And I know you guys are like me and I know you've done this to yourselves. And guess what? 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about. So we're all in this bucket. And I think paying for that stuff is so angering and Rocket Money is there to help. Because basically Rocket Money shows you, hey, look at this is what all the things you are subscribed to. But then here's the bigger thing. To unsubscribe, you don't have to go through the whole rigmarole. Rocket Money unsubscribes for you with a click of a button. It's so easy. The other thing Rocket Money did for me, which I was incredibly grateful for, was reduce the cost of one of my bills. It was my cable bill. Yes, I still have cable. Rocket Money has over 5 million users that have saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. I mean, that 
tracks for me and for the number of things I was paying for that I'm frankly ashamed of. So thank you, Rocket Money, for like fixing the shame glaze on my life. Uh, so stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation, you guys. <laughs> That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And we are back and we're ready for topic number two. So Amazon has made a shitload of money off of the pandemic. Uh, even when you're guaranteed same day delivery is happening several days later. Uh, Jeff Bezos has also set new records for how fucking rich he is. Like he's so rich. We've literally never seen this kind of wealth before, <laughs> guys. That's how rich he is. So I guess my first question is, um, you know, we're going to talk about some interesting developments out of Seattle uh, when it comes to Amazon. But what what is, what do your two's relationship with Amazon I have a love-hate relationship with Amazon um, because my conscience is telling me one thing, and yet my time management mm -hmm. is telling me something else. Um, but I, I, I don't understand. First of all, you look at Jeff Bezos. W what is he going to do with all that money? Like, how much fucking money do you How need? How much do you need? You know what I mean? How much? How much is enough? There, you know, we're insatiable in this country. It's ridiculous. But I I don't know. I have very mixed. I feel like I need I I feel like I need couples counseling with Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I'm largely in the same boat. I use Amazon every once in a you know, every once in a while, though I have you know, just in the last couple of years, you know, I think we've all been forced to think a lot or um, a lot of us have been forced to think about Amazon and, and whether they're a force for good or bad in this country. And I have started to really look for other ways, but um, it's really hard to disentangle. I mean, that's the point. It's really hard to disentangle yourself from Amazon, not just as a delivery service, you know, but um, uh, Cash Hill, who's one of my favorite tech reporters, did this thing. I think she's at the Times now, but she did it maybe before she went there, but she tried to go without like I think Amazon, Facebook, Apple, um, Google for, you know, uh, uh, three weeks or whatever. And she was pretty able to do it with everything but Amazon. And the tentacles for Amazon are, are just unreal. Like, you That's know, Amazon amazing. Amazon Web Services, like most of the websites you visit are hosted on an Amazon service. Yeah, it's, like if it's the back, right. It's the back end services that I think a lot of people right. don't and, even know and about. So and also... Really and during the pandemic, you know, with everything being closed, it, you know, and I'm I'm on the Cape. So there's things I would have to drive to get to. You know, it's not like everything is here uh, at the tip of Cape Cod. But, you know, I, de I needed to use it. Uh, I, I search for other places, but it they really have a they do. They have tentacles on you. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, so listeners have heard me talk about this and I won't ranch too hard. So I'll, I'll keep this brief, but I do not use Amazon and I don't shop at Whole Foods. Um, and uh, <laughs> I'm better than both of you. No. Um, and I and, and, it's and you don't have a TV. Yeah, go ahead. No, 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 I 100% have a TV. Um, and 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 my big fault in life is that I love Marvelous Miss Maisel's, which is an Amazon product. There you go. Um, but uh, but I but I but in terms of like the delivery and the shopping and all of that stuff, I definitely don't use Amazon 
my next step is to try and figure out how not to use services that that rely on the Amazon backend services. Um, that's you know that I haven't gotten to that step yet. Um, but but just physically like using Amazon same day literally all that shit. I'm not important enough that like what do I need on the same fucking day? Like whatever you know what I mean. And also a lot of those other companies now offer that as well. Um, and and I, it's like. You can live a life without Amazon and it's yeah. a great life. You know what I mean? Like you can do it, guys. Remember five years ago, you did it. For some of us, two years ago, you did it. Like there's just ways you can do it. It's really, 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 really not that difficult. Um, so I promise you, you'll be fine if you just, and here's what's frustrating to me. Here's what's frustrating to me. The CEO of Goya, I think it was this week or last week, heaped praise on Trump, right? Like in in some statement, blah, blah, blah. And then there was a boycott organized against Goya yeah. because that CEO now all he did was heap praise on Donnie and that's awful and fuck that but at the same time these same people that are boycotting Goya products can't boycott Amazon who's done far more harm than a Goya product you know what I mean yeah. in uh, terms of their relationship to workers in terms of their monopolistic tendencies in terms of I mean yeah, I, I, I mean, I think go on and on. I think you're you're right that we're living in a moment where there is sort of consumer and grassroots um, activism. But you know, with something like Amazon, that's not going to come from certainly from individual choices are not going to be the no, thing that changes. No. And certainly, I don't think even a consumer boycott. Um, but you know, we're also seeing glimpses of like where the real love levers of power are, and mm -hmm. like those could really start to go after Amazon. Sure. And so, like you know, Facebook is is being legitimately hit by like companies that are that are deciding to divest from Facebook in some yep. way. Um, right. That's because of public pressure. Now, you know, would would Nike ever announce like we're not going to ship through Amazon? Like those are the things that are going to start to move it. Not to mention, you know, they should tax Amazon at a certain rate, and Jeff Bezos right. should be taxed at a certain rate, and all those other government interventions. Right. And so let's talk about some of those government interventions. Um, but I get but I also bristle when people say personal choices aren't going to oh, affect sure. this because it's sort of like, you know, um, uh, the the host of Today Explained was on the show and uh, and he said something. He was reminded of the um, onion headline that was like six billion people ask themselves, what would it change? It, what difference would it make if I gave up using yeah. plastic bottles? Right. Yeah. So like it's like the fucking right. makes a difference. Right. Each person makes right. a difference. Well, and so, if you have a choice, right, you might and you're going to be on one side people. of the choice. Yeah. And you're going to be on one side of the choice or the other. You might as well. And also right. the, be on the, the on the correct one. The Goya, I mean, it really hit home for these Latino people because you know right. his his policies are so and it is it is a Latino company. Right. And, right. It it, it it you know, it's like the closer it hits to home, the more apt you are to like I grew I'm just up in saying, a house. Like, do we is it it's like uh, do we need a deep fake of Jeff Bezos saying nice things about Trump to get people to probably stop him that? Uh, I, I mean I grew up in a house at our house, I growing up, we no German cars. We weren't no Ford, you know, oh, wow. because he was anti-Semitic. My yeah, mother yeah, yeah, yeah. was a yeah. total boycotter. Total right. boycotter. Yeah. Right. Um, well, okay, let's talk about government interventions though. Jody brought those up and those are re those are where the fucking real meat is at. Uh so there's a jumpstart tax now in, in Seattle. Um, and basically that it'll, it's, they're going to basically tax, tax companies with high paid employees. So it's not exactly, you know, taxing Amazon's excessive profits, which I've been arguing for forever. There should be an excessive profits tax because tax because of the pandemic. Um, but it is doing something. And, uh, and that something is that businesses with at least $7 million in annual payroll will be taxed 0.7% to 2.4% on salaries. Um, and and wages spent on Seattle employees. Um, so it starts at if you make one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, that's where it starts, and then it tears up, um, and it caps at two point four percent. So uh, and and that's it. It really kind of. It, any any company with at least seven million in annual payroll, but really that's targeting Amazon for Seattle. And it could bring in two hundred million dollars, which Seattle um, vows to use on pandemic relief in year one and then various other programs in year two and three. Um, what do you guys think of this move by Seattle City Council? I like it. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I look, I'm not a socialist, but, you know, my kids went to public school. Uh, I, I feel like you gotta 
contribute your fair share. Um, and I and I think these large corporations get away with so much. And again, on tax day, when I got that email from my accountant, it it's I'm happy to pay a little more if I know where it's going and I know that I am contributing and other people and other companies are contributing as well. I, I like, I don't know. I, I mean, right. Um, Jody, uh, critics are saying that like this might actually encourage companies to move to another city. It's yeah, just, that's, is that, <laughs> I mean, that's always the argument, right? And I guess there's only right. one way and, and it tends to work and it tends to have a chilling effect. And I think, you know, this is finally, maybe we're seeing someone call that bluff and we'll see what happens. Um, you know, I think in general, like, Large companies like to be in big cities. Big cities are where the human capital is. And I think sometimes yep. cities don't have the kind of uh, can't imagine another way. And there's a sort of failure. There's a lack of imagination for, oh, there can be another way to do this. Um, and, you know, we're starting to see more of that. And sort of along those lines, I wanted to I wanted to actually point out something that was in this article that, that we all read about from the Seattle Times about this move that just really struck me. And it's, you know, it's about the, the Amazon tax. But there's a line in here that says the Black Lives Matter movement has stirred up Seattle politics and a yeah. tax Amazon campaign put pressure on the city council by threatening to take a proposal to the November ballot. And I just like in one sentence, you have a racial justice movement uh, connecting with tax, you know, taxes about a big company connecting with pressure on the city council flowing into an election. And it's one of the first times in my <laughs> no, but I mean, it's remarkable. And that's how yeah. politics and power work. It's one of the first times in my life where I felt like the conversation is about everything and about how everything's connected, how yeah. everything flows. Yeah. But just you know, again, to point out how remarkable this moment is and how remarkable the George Floyd protests are, that they have that they have sparked a tax conversation about Amazon. Right. I mean, right. it's just amazing. Right. And and I think we should also point out the way in in some, especially depending on what state or region you're in, how like the treatment of of Amazon warehouse workers um, is a Black Lives Matter yeah. issue, right? And how the, you know, again, in, the, in that that sentence, like you said, it breezes past a lot of these connections which people might not be making, but that's what's going on. Um, and, th and that, and Amazon is an anti-union outfit, right? They don't let their workers unionize. They also don't let their workers speak out against terrible conditions. I mean, they have a really terrible pandemic record. Never mind the fact that they're, you know, that they're a monopoly when it comes to books. They're, they're the the major, yeah, you yeah. know, they're, they're a monopoly, the informal definitions of monopoly, they come in at that target for a few different sectors, not just one. It's if it was just books, you'd be like, eh, right. okay, but like, it's not just books, right? But it's and also, so it's, yeah, but, but the power they have, you know, it, it makes me think of Detroit, you know, that if, if Amazon leaves, they, they employ mm -hmm. so many people if they're going to yeah. threat, you know, the fact that they have no conscience whatsoever uh, right. for for where right. they are and operating. Yeah. Should one employer have that kind of power? Right. Right. And we saw that. I mean, we saw that when Amazon was choosing a headquarters, yeah. a secondary headquarters. Yes. Um, yes. With those cities, which is that like cities were bending over backwards and Amazon was just like, you know, what are, what things are you going to give me? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, no, there was no, like, I'm the, you know, Jeff Bezos is the richest man in the world. He doesn't actually fucking need anything. You right. know what I mean? He could just like do it um, and actually maybe contribute to these cities um, as opposed to taking things from them. Uh, so I, so again, I, 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 I think what, what I would love to see happen, which I th think is probably happening um, behind the scenes, is for like a tax like that. And, and Seattle would pioneer the $15 minimum wage. So That's I do right. think there's this can be again like an, and $15 minimum wage has really become popular nationally. So maybe there's something like of this jumpstart tax that we can take if a lot of cities bounded together and a lot of cities are liberal, mind you, then this, we can see this on a nationwide level. So then Amazon is left to what? Go to, you know, headquarters in the Cayman Islands or something. You know, I you think know? You're, tr you're trying to get rid of the suburbs. 
<laughs> I'm getting rid of windows. I'm getting rid of windows. Um, but I, but again, yeah, I think there's a. I I was really excited by this movement because it's also like they're not targeting people that can't afford it, right? Judy, you were saying I will gladly give up right. a little more money if it means I will if I'm earning $150,000, I will gladly give up 0.7% of it. 0.7% of it so that the city that I live in can have more pandemic relief. Right. Right. So this is what these, this is the reasonable thing we're asking people. And if you really, of, of people who can afford it, can people who make over $150,000 afford it? You know what I mean? And look, I know, blah, 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 150,000. But you know, 150 in New York, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So I know, I know, I know, but I'm talking, let's stick with Seattle for a second and, um, and, and really talk about what level of a burden that is. Uh, and and that maybe it isn't such a burden. It isn't. It isn't. I think it's a great move by this city council, and I would love to see it replicated elsewhere. Um, any th- closing thoughts on Amazon? I just have ugh. I convinced you to stop. I can't using believe it? the wife, the wa- ex-wife. <laughs> She's the twelfth richest person billion. in the world. I She's the twelfth richest person in the world. I know. I, just, I can't. Okay. It's too much. It's too much money for two fucking people. Well, wait, okay. I have a, uh, so I have a question. Sorry, I know you're trying to end. Yeah. But do you want, do you want to just no, move on? I have one. Okay. No, um, what's your question? Let's I, hear. Th- there's something I've been thinking about, which is, you know, where is the like billionaire savior in this coronavirus moment? Oh. Like, I don't want them to be there. I want them to get taxed and I want government to be competent or whatever. But like, yeah. Is yeah. it weird that Jeff Bezos hasn't said, I'm going to give $2 billion to buy masks or, you know, that Bloomberg hasn't come out and been yeah. like, I'm going to give, yeah. you know, and I mean, you know, there, some have like the CEO of Twitter has been pretty good and like there's other, but, you know, but yeah. it feels like such a uh, easy moment Missed for opportunity. A, that is yeah, so for true. someone to come in that and just so be like, I'm going to solve this, you know, and, and not solve it, but like just make a huge statement and buy themselves a lot of goodwill. Right. Literally. Yeah, no, it's 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 baffling, and I think there's organizations like the I think they're called the Patriotic Millionaires. I think we've talked about them on the show before, right. like millionaires who believe that millionaires should be taxed right. um, at higher rates. Uh, and there's that know, club that like that Gates and is part of that has pledged to like give away a certain percentage of yeah. their. You know, I think like it's moving towards that, and it's happening. You know, slowly, slowly. But I would say just like the big statement that ever gets everyone's attention and and dominates the news cycle. Um, it just hasn't happened, and it's weird that I no know. billionaire has. Yeah, tried that. solve the pandemic with your billions, <laughs> yeah. and you'll be fucking beloved. If that's all you, if like that's what you're after, you know right. what I mean. You can be rich and beloved at the same time. And Gates has started to do a little of that. We we should say, but yeah, yeah. Um, he was also like against like Elizabeth Warren's uh, wealth tax. Uh, so I don't know, but maybe his, you know, maybe he's he's. I don't know, softened in the... He's the, helping with vaccine light. stuff. Is, is Yeah. Right, right, right. All right, well, let's move on to topic number three. So there's Republicans uh, that want to destroy Trump. Chief among them are the people of the Lincoln Project. They keep making ads attacking the president, but from a conservative point of view... Um, what what do you think of what they're doing? I mean, who are these people? And uh, you know, and they've been putting out ads that are really, you know, at a at a heavy clip, and uh, and they're pretty good, and they all go viral. They're um, amazing, Judy. I think they're you know, it's so you know, I I, I when I watch, I, I mean, I hated George W. Bush. I hated him. I was as apoplectic, um, as I. Maybe probably a little less, but I, you know, <laughs> I, I hated his administration. I hated Dick Cheney. I hate, and yeah. the fact that I sit here and I listen to Steve Schmidt and, and I look forward to what he is going to say and how eloquently he's going to say it. And the, the whole George Conway at these, these people that I really did abhor, you know, um, and for, for listeners, George Conway is still married to Kellyanne Conway. Still married. So, um, yeah. I'm, I'm becoming a fan of Claudia Conway, uh, the daughter. Um, but, you know, it makes me think, all right, they they had a conscience. They have a conscience. They, It's not party over 
people, goodwill, our democracy. I mean, it's made me, you know, it made me feel when Dick Cheney came out for gay marriage because his daughter came out of the closet. I was like, I can't believe I agree with Dick Cheney about (laughs) something. And I kind of feel like, okay, guys, you're creating the, but is it, is it, I mean, I love it. I love, but I'm already sold, you know? Yeah. Um, but they're really good. But I, how effective. Because, and I think one of the things that's really f- f- fascinating about them, too, is that the entire premise of their organization is if they succeed, that means the end of their own organization. Right. If right. there's if Trump is removed, then you don't need a never Trump or movement. You know, what I mean, right. you don't really need the Lincoln Project anymore. But they so get it's interesting him because they're so, working yeah. for their own so, extinction. Yeah. yeah. Um. I have to say they really sort of infuriate me, these ads, in, mm. in this sense. Mm. Um, okay. When one of them comes out, they are, I think, effective attack ads. They do what you need to do against Donald Trump, which is point out that he's you know, unfit for office and uninterested in, in, in governing. Um, and the internet loses its mind over them and they yeah. and there's also a conversation that along that breaks out along lines of you know where has this been all along yeah this is the way to attack trump do you remember the ads that hillary clinton ran against trump they were not policy ads they were ads that pointed out that he was misogynistic and that he was incompetent and that he should right. not be handed the keys to our government like some of those hillary clinton ads are like basically the same as the Project Lincoln ads. And so why is it that we right. lose our, our yeah, minds over true. that line of attack and not that? And it's because she was Hillary Clinton and she was a woman. And for some reason, people feel that when it comes from this like more masculine stance or or that it comes from an ex-Republican, it's more effective. The argument against Trump has been there all along. Uh, and the way to attack well, him has I been mean, there all I along. Think- and I think Clinton generally used that playbook and it's just it's so it's just like a little you know so i think it's effective i think those ads are effective i think it's the way to go after trump but it's just kind of it's frustrating to me to that is such a good point that although it's it makes a lot of sense because you know when my husband says something to me like uh you know i think you should really consider like seeing your therapist about this one issue or whatever i'll be like oh what do you know but then a friend says it sure. and it's a completely different i i, I hear yeah. it completely differently right um and uh, and i think that's what it is it's just right. like uh this third party that we you know it we, of course hillary clinton's gonna say all of these things about trump right but uh, but but people who are in his own party, ooh, okay. Yeah. Um, and so that, you know, what one of the ads, and I don't even know if it was a Lincoln Project ad, but the ad with Lindsey Graham, did you guys see that one? Where they basically oh. use Lindsey Graham talking about how great Joe Biden is. Right. <laughs> and he was like practically crying yeah. over how, like, what a wonderful man Joe Biden is. That to me felt like, I lost my mind over that ad because I yeah. was like, that's great. Wow, they really love Joe Biden. I mean, so many people love Joe Biden. This, the you know, Jim Acosta said it yesterday. He said, you know, that it's, it's we're, we're down to people who are related or who have drunk, drank the Kool-Aid, you know? Um, and it's, what is it? Is it that they have? I mean, the fact that that uh, Putin has bounties and, and and there's nothing. I mean, right? It's what and that, did it move the needle for the administration? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's to me. I, I don't understand. Like, what do they have on Lindsay? What do they fucking have on Ted Cruz? You know? I mean, we right, all know right. Lindsay's gay. Ted Cruz is a piece of shit. You know? How it's, how do you sell out your? Country? I love the idea that the secret that they have on Ted Cruz is that he's a piece of shit. But yeah, it's proximity to power. Like that is just yeah. so hard to shake. And also, I think maybe thinking this is where you were gonna sort of mm. take us. But like that when being when we only have two parties in this country and they're so entrenched and you have to choose on one side or the other in your entire life you've chosen this side i understand it's not hard to go choose the other side you know in other countries where there are more fluid political identities you would see people kind of jumping ship so to speak a lot earlier but here like there's just this capture um by both power right. and ide- and political identity it's so funny because 
we're like more advanced when it comes to like recognizing sexuality as not necessarily binary, but <laughs> right, we're not right. unpolitics, right? We're super so fucking behind. So I want to see yeah. us more politically right. fluid. Yeah. Um, but but here's so George Conway said this. Um, about what he's doing. He said, he said, I personally think that the Republican brand is probably destroyed. Um, it's destroyed by it having become essentially a personality cult. Um, and he actually left the party, right? And, and, and changed his registration to unaffiliated two years ago. And he doesn't envision going back anytime soon. So I guess my question is, are these guys uh, canaries in a coal mine like signaling to us that the party is dead like maybe this is the moment where we go non-binary and we suddenly have more parties or there's you know there's just more voices that can reflect what people actually believe um i guess my question is i don't know what's going to happen in november i mean in my heart i have great feelings but uh, I don't know what's going to happen in November, but like, is the party dead? Like, beyond tr- if yeah. Trump isn't there to hold together this weird thing that he's sort of holding together, is the party dead? Parties in this country have died before, um, and I don't want to diminish the fact that Trump is a historical aberration, and what we're going through right now is unprecedented or you know historical in those ways and so you know if there was ever a time that the republican party would die it's probably this one if they you know if biden wins 450 electoral votes and you know they flip six house seats in the senate or something like i could see that if i had to bet right now i would i would say if we do a podcast in four years uh i bet you george conway's voting for for the republican in that election yeah i bet you're right I, I think they right. just I go mean, right, right back to right, it. Right, it, right, you know, right, right. What, we don't hear about the Tea Party anymore. We hear about Trumpism. Um, True. We look everything the Democrats do. I don't agree with, but I, I, I just—it's true. We need to be more fluid. There is no fluidity. Um, yeah. And when one one party loses its identity or it's taken over by a monster, you know, where are those people going to go? Right. But it's, I, it's only because of Joe Biden. It's only because they like Joe Biden. You know, if yeah. it was if it was Hillary again or Bernie, who knows? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, think about the wake of the 2012 election. I mean, this is an obvious statement. There's a wake of the 2012 election. The GOP writes this self, this memo to itself about what it needs to be. That is where the party was. That was that, you know, and it needs to be more inclusive. It needs to be more progressive. It needs to be uh, it needs to bring in, you know, encourage immigration. And then three and a half years later, Trump is the front runner. So, you know, I think Trump is a, again, world historical destructive force. That said, it's not a leap of imagination to say three and a half years from now, the Republican Party is back to where it was and 2012. Yeah, exactly. Like they just, you know, well, they kind and of, and they just right. wanted to get rid of him. Yeah. yeah. In 2012, where Mitt Romney and his like binder full of women was like the the, the scariest prospect. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'll fucking take binders. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's fucking, um, you know, and, and I think what's really interesting just about American history is that we did have, I mean, we had the know nothings, um, the Whig party, uh, the, the, the Federalist uh, party, right? We had these, and, and I think a lot of this, this action kind of happened at a time where the republic didn't presume to know everything yes. and 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 now we're in this we're kind of stuck in this the founders knew everything you know what I mean? right, like, right right at right at the time the, the, at the time we were like what the fuck do these founders know right. fucking nothing let's build parties you know what I mean? there, there was just a little bit more kind of like let's experiment with what it means and what's amazing and what we see in other countries also that have parliamentary systems as opposed to what we have but what we see in those countries is a little bit more coalition building so you can't get someone like donnie i mean obviously you have like in i guess in places like italy or whatever but but it's a little harder because you need more co like you need the green party to like caucus with right. you know the whatever your liberal party is and blah blah blah, blah. And you need to make those coalitions in order to get your prime ministership or whatever it is um and we don't we just and and I think part of the the failure of our imagination is that we don't believe in parties at a local level. You know, one of the things I've done 
in in some past elections is I voted on the working families party line, even though they're carrying almost exactly the same people as the Democratic Party line, just because I'm like, we should have other parties. Yeah, the working families party is meaningful. It should be meaningful. Right. Right. And um, and 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 and. If we can see it at a local level, it's like we're also putting too much importance in what the president, uh, blah, 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 the federal level. Right. What is happening at the local level? Like, you fucking, you know, vote for someone. And I think AOC is a great example of this. Vote for someone who isn't exactly a Democrat. You know right, I mean? right, right. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm down to vote for someone in the Green Party. You know what I mean? Um, it, but we've really we we lack the imagination to do it at the local level where I think we could really make gains. It's interesting because I you know uh, one of my sons is not registered to vote and and it's because he he's has op- oppositional defiance disorder I've decided. But anyway, okay. uh, and I said to him and he really wants an air conditioner and I said you're not getting an air conditioner until you <laughs> register to vote. I, I literally said that to him yesterday. Um and say, oh, it doesn't matter. I live in New York. I said, it does matter. I mean, this pandemic should show you how important local officials are. Yeah. Um, and it really does it, matter. Yeah. I mean, look at Cynthia Nixon. She ran really to move, move the Cuomo. party left. Yeah. yeah. Um, and to move Cuomo left. That was her goal. Um, and it seems to work a little. I mean, even Biden's well, in, going a little. In that little, case, I feel like yeah. it got rid of the um, what were they called? The Democrats who were caucusing with the Republicans. IDC. The yeah. IDC in New York State. Um, so I feel like you know it, it was a pressure. She put a pressure on that system, right? Um, that was kind of blocking a lot of you know legislation that New Yorkers wanted, right? Uh, so I so I, I definitely think that's great. Here's. My question for you, Judy, as a comedian, um, one of the pieces we read was in The New Yorker about a guy who's a, like a staunch Democrat who's yeah. worked with the Lincoln Project yes. to make these videos as a filmmaker. Would you, Judy, work with the Lincoln Project? And these include some former George W. Bush officials. You know, my publicist uh, just wrote to me because a conservative... Uh, radio host or podcaster uh, said, we'd like to interview Judy. They're very conservative. We are completely mm-hmm. conservative about her book because it's about freedom of speech. We are conservative, but we do agree with her. Uh, and I said, yeah, because it's going to sell books. But it's also, um, <laughs> I think we can't, I think it's it's more progressive to actually work with these people and maybe change their mind, maybe let them see. I mean, this this division, which I believe started way before Trump, this this bipartisanship. I mean, no one was. I mean, George W. Bush was horrible um, splitting the Republicans and the Democrats. But uh, I I think only good could can come from people who are not like minded working together for i mean a common enemy you know um uh, yeah a co- uh, my, the enemy of my enemy is right. my friend yes. um well folks that's the end of the show oh but uh, i would this like to flew by yeah. I, I know we really we put in some time though guys uh what i would like to do though at the end here is ask you guys if in the middle of this pandemic, when everything seems so bleak, is there something that's making you feel hopeful, Jody? I'm buying myself some time to come up with an answer. I'm a little jealous of Judy, who has all this time to come up with an answer. I have an answer. answer if oh, you yeah, take it. Yeah, okay, go to Judy, Judy let's first hear from you. What is making you hopeful? What is making me hopeful is my younger son, Ben, saying to me, Mommy, we just bought tickets to Trump's rally go register and buy tickets to his rally that these kids uh, are, are so proactive and, and so civic minded. I mean, and I feel it, it, it does give me hope that, that, that my kids and are, and that generation is not going to sit back and let, 
the country fall apart. Let, you know, the climate change. They are really engaged. And that that gives me hope. Uh, yeah, they're TikToking their way to democracy. And yep. I love that. Uh, Jody Avergan, what is making you feel hopeful? I, you know, it's sort of along the same lines, but I, you know, and something that we talked about a little earlier, but I do feel like for maybe the first time in my lifetime, you know, our, our sort of national political conversation is feels big and it feels structural and it feels connected and it feels like, you know, one that's actually tr- acknowledging how interconnected all these things are. And, you know, I mean, it's like, it's kind of remarkable, right? Like you have, you start a conversation about politics and you, you skip from Black Lives Matter and all of a sudden you're talking about DC statehood, you know, and somehow those feel yeah. like they're part of the same conversation. Um, and I, and I just think there's some real hope there. Um, and, you know, for it to be happening in an election year is also, you know, really interesting. Um, and what's giving me hope is that like, you know, uh, this is a really small, weird example, but I'm going to share it. There's we're, we're doing shared streets here in New York City. Mm-hmm. Some of the streets are shared with pedestrians and cars. Um, and that means the cars have to go five miles an hour. And so there's a shared street near me. And every morning, some fantastic neighbors move these barriers onto the street at 8 a.m. Uh, and um, and they move them back at 8 p.m. because it's, it's an 8 to 8 thing. And uh, and they do that every day so that wow. the rest of our, us neighbors can walk in the middle of the street. Uh, and how fantastic are they? Also, some of these fantastic neighbors have delightfully painted in on these barriers to make them more beautiful uh, and have written five miles an hour, drive slowly, share the street, you know, whatever. And they've put flowers and they've made them different colors. And, and I was just like, wow, we have some great fucking neighbors who spent their time uh, doing that. And, uh, and I, and I'm grateful to them. You guys, um, where should people find you and all the stuff that you're doing? And Judy, I want to hear, uh, like, I want to hear more info about this book. Uh, well, you can get my book. Uh, yes, I can say that when they come for the comedians, we're all in trouble. It's available July 28th. There's an audio book. It's about free speech from the perspective of a comedian. It's fucking great. And if you're, if you are a comedy fan, there's a lot of history in here. Uh, and it is a plea to stop censorship. Um, I can, you know, judygold.com. And then on all of these socials, I'm at judygold, J-E-W-D-Y. Because I'm a Jew. Oh, there it is. Because she's a Jew. Because I'm a Jew. But uh, yeah, get all my, I'm performing and I'm doing a lot of press for the book. And yeah, so. I'm so excited for this book and it feels so necessary. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And my podcast, Kill Me Now. Yeah. Kill Me Now. Subscribe. Uh, Jody Avergan, where should people find you? Uh, the main thing is right now is the um, political history show. So this day in esoteric political history with Radiotopia. And we actually are going to three days a week uh, starting right uh, wow. this week. Um, so we've been doing two, but we're going to try to make a little more space because there's a lot of um, interesting moments history? from the past. A lot of history and a lot of particular election history sort of coming our way. We're getting into convention oh, season shit. and VP season. Oh, my so God. So we're going to make a little more space. Uh, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays, we will be coming out with uh, three episodes a week. Yo, like I said, people have been chatting about this podcast, so you should, uh, there's a lot of buzz around this podcast. You should definitely be subscribing to it, folks. Uh, You know where to find me and all the things that I do, so go and find me. (laughs) (laughs) What I would really like to do is thank the people that make this show happen. Uh, that is our talented producer, Anita Flores, our wonderful audio engineer, Andy Christens, and uh, Kate Moldenauer. Uh, Gabby Alter wrote our theme music, and Lily Fleshler helped out with research, and we love to hear from you folks. You know that, so send us your feedback topics you think we should be chatting about, guest ideas. You can leave us a voicemail at 331-901-0005 or drop us a line at comments at fakethenation.com. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps more people find out about the show. <laughs> um... That's it. We'll uh, we will be back uh, in your earballs uh, next week. Thank you. 